Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm JP Nervin, the founder of Thrive on Challenge, and the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. All right, welcome to episode 18, Essentialism in Coaching. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the main principles from my five favorite books of 2017. Today's episode is going to cover Essentialism by Greg McCune, and I highly suggest you check it out if you haven't had the chance to read that book. We're going to talk about three things. First off, what is essentialism, how it applies to coaching, and lastly, we're going to get into the practical elements, essentially how to decipher and execute what is essential in our program when it comes to building our culture. So what is essentialism? Essentialism is actually the disciplined pursuit of less. And you've all heard the phrase, less is more, less is better. And we know that, but it's so hard to do in coaching. It's so hard to do in life. And the reality is we only have 86,400 seconds and it's undisciplined for us to try to do it all. We have to be disciplined and to focus on what is essential. Personally, in my own life, I've tried to cut out social media and emails before 8 a.m. and after 10 p.m. What's the result of doing that, cutting those things out, is that I have more productive mornings and, and more productive evenings. I get a better night's sleep, and the mornings I can get focused on what is essential. And what isn't essential is the emails. Those things can wait. The social media, that can all wait. Doing that is helping to remove the stress from my mornings and the night before. And that's been really, really big already in 2018 for me. Now, how does essentialism apply to coaching? Let me start first with a quote from John Wooden. He said, I had a simple approach. Namely, if I could think of something that would bring about improvement, I tried to do it. And I know a lot of coaches that think like that. Personally, that's me. If I found a new idea on a blog, if, I, if, a new, if a coach shared an idea with me, a new drill, a new play, I wanted to try it because I felt like it could add value. But the reality is trying to do it all doesn't work because we have such limited time. So for everything we add, we need to subtract. So if we want to add something to a practice or pregame ritual, we're going to have to cut something out or we're going to have to lengthen the practice time or the time they spend away from home. 1% improvements, they provide value, but sometimes the 1% improvements isn't about adding or doing more, it's about doing less. So how do we decide on what is essential? First off, I think we should look at every area of our coaching. Timeout huddles, pregame warmups, team pregame meals, locker room talks, offensive system, drills, practice time, the list goes on. Look at everything. The first activity, now you may want to get a pen and paper out for the rest of this podcast because I'm going to be giving a lot of practical tools to you. Or you can shoot me an email afterwards and I'll be sure to send out you on all these activities. The first one is to film, to film a practice, even film a pregame warmup or a team meeting or even film a film session with your team. I know it sounds crazy, but there's so much time we waste There's so much time we waste in a practice between transitions um, of drills in the teaching moments. A coach talks too long um, at the end of practice. A coach goes on too much, summing up the practice. 
As coaches, we can fall into that trap of loving to talk and talking too much. Also, we can identify with, even with our players, different aspects of our practice that we can speed up, that we can cut out, that we can really sharpen and be more efficient with. The next activity you can do with your team. So a few years ago, we had really poor pregame warmups. And this was 10, 15 games in the season. We were really struggling and we felt like our warmups weren't helping us. You know, they weren't very beneficial. They weren't preparing us to play our best. So we filmed our pregame warmup. We sat down with the team and we looked through our warmup. We saw how we were approaching it. And then we started asking the questions. What do they need to do to be ready? We identified in the live action drills that we needed and different shooting drills that we needed. We also cut out a few drills that we didn't feel like were actually adding any value. We tweaked a drill. And when we did that, players were more bought into the warm-up. I'm not even sure if it was so much about the difference in the drills as it was they sitting down, them evaluating, and them creating something that they were bought into. Another great way to do this is to break your team into some small group and ask them three questions. And this is three questions, not just about like a warm-up. This is about any, any aspect of your program. You could say, you know, let's talk about practice. Let's talk about our games. Let's talk about our, our scouting. Or you could just say anything in general about the program and ask them these three questions. What do we need to do more of? What do we need to start doing? And what do we need to do less of? And then listen, all right? Listen to their feedback. They may give you feedback on drills they feel have absolutely no benefit whatsoever. They may talk about um, practice time being too short, practice time being too long, not enough time for stretching. Um, You don't know what they'll come up with. But then have them share with the whole team. This is great feedback for the coaches. Um, It's a great opportunity for them to to spark discussion about the things that they enjoy, the things that they find beneficial. You can do this yearly. You can do this monthly. You can do this weekly, even daily. One example of how effective this is, is our halftime talks. For years, we would do our halftime talks like a lot of other programs out there. As we're walking to the locker room, the coaches would stand in an an area and they'd start talking about the things that they saw and just kind of brainstorming. The players would go into the locker room, kind of clear their heads, sit back, and the coaches would come in and just kind of give them a big old speech about what they needed to do better. Well, we cleaned up that process. Uh, as we walked to the locker room, coaches could talk, you know, they could communicate. But as soon as we got to the locker room, it was a whole team discussion. And we was very much centered around me asking questions of the players, what they saw, what they thought. Well, this one particular game, we're walking to the locker room and all the coaches are saying to each other, just pretty much the same thing. We can't buy a basket. Essentially, we couldn't make a basket. We knew that. Everything else was going pretty darn well. And we got to the locker room and I asked immediately what the players were thinking and feeling. And they said the exact same thing. We can't make a shot. And in that moment, it was very clear to me. And we all agreed. Everything else was looking pretty good. And the one thing we needed to do right then wasn't sit around and talk. It was actually get back out on the court and start getting up some shots during our, our halftime warm-up. So we focused on what was important now. We didn't stick with the unessential. And typically, you know, we have great conversations, but we realized very quickly because we had that dialogue, what was essential. So we had a process to make sure that we got, we, we got straight to the issues right away and didn't spend time beating around the bush. An activity to do with your coaches is to hold a coaching summit. I think this is great and absolutely necessary to do every off season and to even do during the season. 
Um, an example of this is I once sat down with all our coaches and asked, um, what drills do we see at, are actually benefiting the team? Do we actually see improvement from? Um, what drills serve a clear purpose to the style we are playing? Or are we just doing them because there are drills that we always do? Spend a day or an hour going through a specific part of your program. This could be games, practices, team building, downtime as a team, rituals, definitely strategy. Uh, We're always trying to do too much in that aspect. And ask the three main questions that you asked your players. What do we need to start doing? What do we need to do more of? And what do we need to stop doing? Other questions you need to ask are, what are we willing to be bad at? What do we want to be great at? Or what do we want to be known for? I think the best teams are one-sentence teams. You know, they're an incredibly great. You know, they're an incredible shooting team. Uh, they're such a fast-paced team. Uh, they're a defensive team. You know, what do you want to be great at? Knowing that, but you also got to be accept. You also have to accept the fact that you're probably going to be bad at something. Now, there's some challenges to executing this, and a lot of people might judge us for being irresponsible. But I think it's responsibly irresponsible to cut out the unessential, especially those things that people hold on to because they're traditions or the things that we always do it this way. A couple of years ago, my team actually dropped the team huddle during the game. You know those moments when you get in after a timeout and you come in together and you put your hands in, you go team on three or family on three or defense on three. Well, our players felt it was overdone. It wasn't beneficial and it was actually just taking away 10, 15 seconds of our time that could be spent relaxing, getting our mind focused, discussing something, getting water. Um, and so we kind of eliminated that from our games and nobody ever missed it. Nobody ever missed it at all. Some things we just do because they're tradition. For example, the last school that I had, uh, there was always this tradition of team meals before the, uh, before the game and they would do it always after school. This wasn't just with basketball. This was with every sport. But it was a big hassle to organize parents to cook these meals. Uh, the kids weren't even that hungry at that stage. And a lot of times the meals weren't healthy and weren't most beneficial. So we cut that out. Parents loved it because they didn't have to prepare a meal. Uh, all it required was a coach to grab a loaf of bread. We had a store of peanut butter and jelly. And we'd pick up some fruit. And the guys would get what they wanted. And nobody overate. And it simplified the whole process. But nobody thought to do it that way, but all the coaches complained about organizing this thing, and the reality was it wasn't even beneficial for them. Sometimes focusing on the essential can be really hard, though, to implement. Uh, Not so easy as the last two examples I gave you. In practices, it can be very easy to plan practices around the current issues that are popping up. If you lost last game because of a certain amount of turnovers, or if you lost last game uh, because you allowed a certain amount of goals to happen, to have everybody focus on that one thing, and just to constantly try to be put out fires. Um, that's why I think it's great to have a set number of drills, kind of your, your drill menu to work off of. And you could take those drills, those small-sided games, those types of scrimmage, and you could tweak those to focus on different aspects of it. But if every practice you're coming in and you're having to teach a new drill, you're having to teach a new small sided game or tell them new rules here, it makes it really cuts out a lot of the time that can be spent um, working to get better and actually teaching, not just teaching a drill or a game. 
Another thing we can do to make the essential almost effortless to do is habit stacking. Um, so for instance, if you're trying to focus on what is essential before a game or before practice, before practice, for instance, um, from the step second they step into the locker room or gym, what is the first thing that they will always do? Observe that. Um, if they're stepping in the locker room, it could be put stuff in their locker and get your shoes out. Okay, from that moment on when they get their shoes out, what are they doing next? And walking through and helping them develop a very, very, very specific routine from putting your shoes on to getting your jersey on, shorts on, and then when you walk out of the locker room, what are you going to do next? Well, you're going to go get a ball, you're going to go immediately to the basket, um, or you're going to do a little warm-up. Um, but just having a very, very clearly defined routine, but starting it from their already established habits. Um, simple habits that we often take for granted, like putting on your shoes. And um, so trying to build up healthy habits from that, that's habit stacking. All right, I know I covered a lot of ground today um, when it comes to essentialism and how to apply it throughout a lot of different questions out there uh, for you to ask your players, for you to ask your coaches, for you just ask yourself. My encouragement to you is to focus on what is essential, cut out the unessential. And that starts with things very, very small and obviously moves to the bigger level uh, to your strategy, to simplify your strategy. Um, the best teams out there, the championship teams, they don't do everything well. Um, you can't, all right? If you try to do everything well, you'll end up being bad at, at a lot of things. So reflect on what is essential and then be disciplined in the pursuit of the essential. Thanks for listening in this week, and please remember to keep putting character first in coaching.